Hello. How are we this evening? Welcome to you all on this fine Wednesday. Days are still bleeding together like never before in my life, but that's how these things go sometimes. Well, actually, that's not true. This is very abnormal. It's not how things go sometimes. This is very strange. But anyway, um, hope you're all well. Hope you're all lovely and, and, and safe and, and your families are all well and good and everything. Um, first off, tonight, uh, we're going to pour one out for... And I'm serious about this. One of my... One of my I'm, a, I'm one of these people who, in my adult life, have, has, has gained a... You know, I grew up a musician and hated pop music growing up, but as an adult and being someone that works in the music industry most of my time in my life, um, one of the catchiest pop songs ever written, uh, one of the guys in that band died of the coronavirus today. We're going to pour one out. I only have water with me, but if you have a drink, uh, Adam Schlesinger of Fountains of Wayne, 52 years old, too young, but man, that song absolutely claps one of the best pop songs like ever written one of the biggest one hit wonders of all time brutal um but boy he left that, that song on its own left quite a legacy also believe he was the songwriter behind the um the song at the tony awards that neil patrick harris did about how uh, the theater isn't just for gay people anymore and that whole thing from a few years back, which was a pretty big hit, you know, for an awards show song and everything. So that was another thing on his resume that you wouldn't expect. Pretty big time producer in the world of, of music. So lost a good one to something, you know, New York City, man. Lost to something that really just sucks. Anyway, just wanted to get that out of the way before we get going. That, that, that just kind of sucks, but the guy deserves recognition. Anyway, I've already seen a few loaded questions pop up, um, which I had a feeling were going to come anyway, because everyone kind of follows the same people in this world that I do. And boy, what a week. What a, what a three days. It's only been three days since since Sunday. So a lot of, a lot of stuff has dropped since in, in the opinion world. Uh, which is really all we've got right now. But, uh, and before we get into the questions, I also want to um, plug this. I just re I just tweeted out a YouTube link uh, to the NHL's YouTube channel. They're airing like old hockey games every so often on, on YouTube. I think the there's a Penguins-Rangers game still going on now um, where Mario Lemieux scored five goals on, on the, the New York Rangers it's a lot of fun. It's, it's something that I've asked about and, and tried to, you know, explore doing, or at least hoped that's that the NHL would do it on their own for years. You know, um, I thought it was, I thought it was a great idea. I've never actually sat down and watched a full game of the eighties Oilers. And they have one of those that was just on. And I was watching last night that the, that team, it blew my mind. I, for a multitude of reasons, and if you want to get into that, you can ask, but it just blew my mind watching just old hockey and, and coming from my experience watching so much hockey from around the world right now and just seeing how it was played and, and what was going on back then because, you know, I think I think people have this idea at, around my age of what hockey used to be, but when you watch 
full-length games and not just the highlights that everyone's seen a million times of, of a player's career, just like regular old back-and-forth 80s hockey. It, it was different, certainly different, but, you know, very few things actually have, have really shifted, you know? But really, you got to go check, it, um, check them all out. It's so much fun uh, just to watch, uh, especially watching those old great players. You know, I think there was one where the Habs played the Nordiques, and I think it might have been Guy Lafleur's last year with the Habs. Maybe I'm not sure, but definitely worth taking a look because I've never I've never sat down and seen Guy Lafleur play hockey, and it's so fun. So definitely, if you have a few hours to spare, just want to hang out and watch some hockey check out some old tape and I really really hope that that becomes a thing that they do because I would love 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 to watch as much as I possibly could of as many different players as I could because it's just so cool anyway to the to the YouTube feed here um let me also just mention that I'm actually on the internet now um we're okay and so all right Okay, 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 okay. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Um, Jordan. First of all, Jordan, if, if... Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you're a pharmacist. So kudos to you once again for doing the thing. Uh, you're the man. Fighting the fight in your own way. So thanks. You're, you're a real dude. Um, I'm here in my basement. I haven't left my house in weeks. And I'm hoping that it helps make your life a little easier in a way. Um, but the, the, anyway, thank you for doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, so, so thumbs up. Uh, <laughs> needed a distraction, I can see that. Yeah, that, that's understandable. Uh, for a question, what do we compare Kaliev to Quinn in terms of offensive punch? Congrats on the McKean's gig. Yes, thank you. Uh, in case you didn't know, I joined McKean's as a contributor. They're trying to push their site into the future a little bit. They're, they want to update some stuff um, and, and sort of push it in a bit of a, of a new direction. Like everyone who's still there is, you know, not going anywhere or anything, but they do want to move, you know, they, they want to sort of push things a little more. And uh, they got in touch with me and, and we started working something out and we, we got there. So really, really thrilled to be a part of it. Um, still working out, you know, some workflow stuff with how it'll fit in with my current work situation and everything, but it, so far so good. Um, been, been great dealing with them, been great everything. And, and if you're not, you know, reading their stuff right now, um, or, or if you, you know, can't get the subscription or anything, uh, that's cool, but, but that's where that stuff is going to live. Or if, you know, if you want the written articles, any level of patron will get it as well. Um, so those will now accompany the the videos when they come out. Just a written sort of expanded version of my notes with with some odd little odds and ends thrown in. Um, but yeah, it's great to be a part of that. They're gonna be. They just put up the Lucas Reigel write up from my video last week. This uh, I think the Noel Gundler one's gonna come tomorrow uh, in the morning, and then um, so patrons also got the fourth scouting report today tomorrow uh and the, and the written report and tomorrow it'll come out for mckean subscribers and then two days after that uh the video will be public so that'll be saturday so uh thank you very much uh for for the nice nice words i was kind of blown away by the response last night from the announcement um 
you know, uh, it wasn't the, it was, it was, it was, this was kind of something that was unexpected, not the outlet that I expected to push as hard as they did to sort of work something out with me about what we wanted to do, but it's great working with them. And I'm, I'm really, really happy to be a part of it and, uh, definitely going to be doing some good stuff with them, uh, for a while. Um, comparing Arthur Kaliev to Jack Quinn, really tough. Uh, I, so for, for starters, uh, Arthur Kaliev is, so Jack Quinn is like a matter of days away from eligibility in, in last year's draft. Uh, let me just pull both of them up. And Arthur Kaliev is certainly not, uh, so you've got, okay, let me start that over. So now that I have both of their player profiles pulled up here on Elite Prospects, uh, Jack Quinn, for starters, a bit smaller, but the thing that I note immediately is that Jack Quinn is under three months uh, old, or under three months younger than Arthur Kaliev. So keep in mind that there's a three-month difference between these two players, uh, and, and Arthur Kaliev has around, he would have well over... 10 points more per 10 points more in production than than I got to do the points per game math here in my head but it's not easy cuz 57 is not an easy number to divide um but I'll do it quick in a Microsoft calculator if I can Oh, my keyboard doesn't want to work that's great um anyway 98 points in 57 games for Kaliev and then 3 months younger you've got Jack Quinn with 89 points in 62 games on a worse team objectively um now, Arthur Kaliev is not a perfect hockey player by any stretch. As a winger, he can get away with being a bit more lackadaisical in his own end. He just needs to sort of cover his own. But he's not great in his own end. It's it's kind of hard to, you know, sugarcoat it. I think he's... I think how bad he is in his own end is a little bit uh, overrated, in a sense. So I think people overblow just how bad he is in the defensive zone. He's a big, strong dude, and when he when he wants to throw his weight around, he can. I've said it a couple of times. One of the games I tracked Marco Rossi this year, I saw Arthur Kaliev hit him behind the net, and his feet, Marco Rossi's feet, came off of the ice, and he ended up flat in the air before landing to the ground. Um, He, he exploded Marco Rossi behind the net, and he's capable of doing stuff like that. Uh, so again, I've said this forever, but Arthur Kaliev, the only limitation on him is in here. It's all in here. Offensively, he's ridiculous. Um, Jack Quinn, I think there's more of that sort of hard work pays off kind of approach to the game. Arthur Kaliev is just supremely talented, smart offensive player, creative with his passing, underrated in that regard. Unbelievable shot on him as well. Uh, but, but I do think, uh, that Jack Quinn, you know... There's a bit more of like that attack mentality out of Jack Quinn. There's a bit more of that sort of move your feet and and make a play for yourself kind of thing. Arthur Kaliev is just, you know, yeah, he's that, you know, get the puck on his stick and fire it into the back of the net kind of guy. But if you look at his shots and goals heat maps, it's not like all of his goals are coming from the faceoff circle. Um, and that's not the case for Jack Quinn either. They're both getting shots from in tight and, and doing all that. And it isn't like all of Arthur Kaliev's pr- production is coming on the on the power play either. Uh, I believe he was the top scoring, even strength scorer in the OHL per game, which is impressive for someone who uh, is bad, um, supposedly. But anyway, comparing the two, I, I think is a little tough. They're two different brands of, of player, and I don't think you could really go wrong with either. I think Jack Quinn has a higher potential of playing because Arthur Kaliev, while he did take steps this year, and, and on paper, 
he's better than his teammates in his own end and the offensive end by a pretty significant margin. Um, I think in the NHL, though, when things get ramped up, Arthur Kaliev's going to have a little bit to learn. Whereas Jack Quinn, I think, could just kind of hit the ground and, and be a piece quicker. Um, and and there is a chance that Arthur Kaliev just doesn't figure it out and, and doesn't go anywhere or, or build on his game at all. Um, but, you know, and then maybe ends up being like a Thomas Vanek type player. But Thomas Vanek was a prolific scorer in his time, right? So it's not the end of the world. And if you get a Thomas Vanek with a 33rd overall pick, then then you're golden. Um, Jack Quinn, I think, I think there's legitimate questions to be raised about him but the more i watch him the more i just you know like how he plays i think that if he's a top 15 pick that's a little bit rich for my taste um but once you get past 15 into the 20s especially is when i would start to think about it uh, especially if i didn't really want to take the risk on some of the other guys that i have in that range that are smaller and, and maybe a bit more skilled and a bit more varied in their game but you're a bit skeptical of their future I could have that discussion perfectly reasonably, especially if you and your coaches and your staff really hit it off with Jack Quinn. Frig, I got to stop hitting this thing. Um, and, but that being said, the same, the other thing that I you have to remember is that Jack Quinn is probably at least two or three years away from an NHL game, I would say. You know, one more year in junior, uh, you know, a year in the American League after that maybe. Uh, so I would look at him and go, okay, um, if my staff and everyone really, really loves the guy, is the staff even going to be the same in in two years or three years when he's here? Is my American Hockey League staff going to be the same? Is my group of guys around him going to be the same? Um, and that would factor in as well. So it, I don't know. I had Arthur Kaliev higher where I than where I have Jack Quinn right now. Um, that was from a data perspective and from just a projectability standpoint and the raw talent that I saw in Kaliev. And again, it's all going to be in here with him. It's, it's, you know, how hard does he want to work off the ice to sort of study the game, figure it out and, and bring a bit more to the table than just what he does now, which, you know, is good, but he could be a lot better. Um, so I hope that answers that question. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mike Malloy. Hello, Mike. Congrats on the McKean's job, yes. Shower me with praise. <laughs> uh, they're lucky to have me. I'm, I hope so too. I hope they. I hope they believe you. Um, thoughts on Craig Button's rankings? Okay, I knew this was coming, and I'm glad that it came early. Um, I'm not the type of person to throw someone out uh, because of their ranking. Um, the only real issue i have with craig button's work i've heard he's a phenomenal dude he'll talk hockey all day long and is the nicest guy in the world um it's just that the issue is that it's the biggest second biggest media corporation in canada tsn is like a lifestyle here it's it's they they broadcast high-level curling tournaments and even i'll watch them it's it's kind of fun to be honest curling is pretty cool but they're, they're just this like almost meme level thing like everyone knows what tsn is and a a big part of any professional sport is the draft it's just it just is like the nfl draft coverage is insane the nba draft coverage isn't as crazy as the N as the nfl but it's still pretty nuts but the NHL 
I, I'm surprised at how sort of little they put into the draft and, and prospect work. And Craig Button is sort of the face of TSN's prospect work. Now, that's a pretty major role because Canada is a crazy hockey country. You know, I'm amazed that junior hockey isn't unbelievably popular. It should be the, the college football of Canada, but it's not. I don't know how that happens, but but it should be. Um, you know, but the thing that I have a problem with is that he has this role, this this draw, this job with, you know, this incredibly important role, and I see that. You know, I respect that. You know, the guy goes to games, goes to tournaments, broadcasts from them, generates his opinions from that, and all that stuff. But it it really he the the way that he reasons out his decisions and the way that he explains a player's game uh, is where I start to lose things a bit. I don't know if it's because he feels limited by his medium or he doesn't get enough screen time to explain him his, his line of thinking. Um, but you know, his final rankings last year were the explanations were one sentence and irrelevant to overall context. I don't know how else to put it. You know, stuff like this player was good at the Holinka, this, you know, this and this and this, um, you know, this time around people were asking him questions after the rankings came out and he was comparing players to current NHL players saying things like, um, Alexi Lafreniere is more like Miko Rantanen, but Jack Quinn is more like David Pasternak. Well, why would, why then would, would you have a first overall pick be Miko Rantanen and then have the mid top 10 pick be David Pasternak who is one of the best goal scorers in the league right now would you personally I'd rather have a David Pasternak on my team and you know comparing guys like Hendrix Lapierre to Patrice Bergeron um you know I I don't know where that comes from I just don't get it uh so I don't know it's it's about explanation and 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 utilizing context properly which is where he kind of loses me but, you know, look, I'm not going to yell at him about having Jack Quinn over Marco Rossi. I think he's wrong on that. I don't, I don't, I think he's wrong, but I'm not going to think he's a complete idiot about that for thinking it. The guy scores a ton of goals. Sure. They're about the same age. Sure. They play on different lines. A lot of people think that Jack Quinn feeds off of Marco Rossi. That's not true. Um, Jack Quinn plays on another line. Uh, and in fact, in my viewings, he kind of carries his line. He's a good player, and I think he's in the first round. And I was sleeping on him for a while because he had a okay first first half, but kind of had a much better second half and just kept scoring and scoring and scoring, which is great. Um, but, you know, I, I can reasonably explain why Marco Rossi would be a guy that I would put not just right ahead of Jack Quinn, but quite a bit ahead of him. There's other stuff in there. I mean, I could pull it up and go through it with a fine-toothed comb. Uh, so I'm just going to quickly yank them uh, up here just to take a quick look because I don't really... You know, I find also that with him, there's a lot of inertia. It's really hard for him with certain players to move them large, large distances when I think it's warranted. Things like Justin Barron at 19, you know, Jan Kuznetsov at 22... These are guys that I think have been pretty high on his rankings for a while, and most people have kind of moved them out. Um, you know, it's just hard to get a get a put a finger on exactly what he 
is looking for in a player. Um, and if the comparisons that he's making are anything to be, uh, if, if his comparisons are anything to work off of in terms of how his brain operates, I don't know if, if I don't know what's going on there because the players that he's comparing to, I get it. Comparisons are silly and you're doing it just for the person asking the question, just to give context. But you, you, it's about communication. It's going back to that talk with Allison, Allison Lucan, uh, in, in Columbus, when, if anyone was there, um, she's talking about communication. And if your readers and listeners are confused and angry about things that you're saying, and you don't at all think that you're doing something wrong and change moving forward, then you're not communicating properly. You're not, you're not building on your own work to be better. And it really sounds like, you know, that's why, and that's also why comparisons are such a tight, a tight rope. You, you, you say the wrong player or you say a player that's way beyond the player's capability and you're setting yourself up for failure. If you say a player that no one expects you to say, then you look silly to that person. You think, well, you're wrong because I don't agree. You know, it's like when I did that thing for the Red Wings and looked at, you know, people were telling me I was the most conservative out of everyone. And I look at it and go, you know, if you get an Adrian Kempe, who is a good possession center with your 30th overall pick, and I really like Adrian Kempe, Joe Valeno could be a good player. Um, you know, I said Giovanni Smith was Jordan Nolan because that's the only player that I could find that at a similar age was in a similar situation and at all had some sort of a career out of it. And I just went, you know, they kind of could could be in the same boat uh, in that area, maybe. Um, you know, but, but again, you have to walk that tightrope and communicate your explanation properly and it really feels like when he leaves people behind in terms of them being very confused by his terminology and his explanations, then you kind of, as a person in the media, you lose you lose your luster, I guess, as a communicator. Um, you know, some of this stuff, like, sure, I can disagree with him on a lot of this. Like Tyson Forster at 25, I don't know about that. Anton Lindell behind a William Wallander. I love William Wallander as much as probably everyone else in the world combined. He's amazing when he's really, really on. But I could not at all be convinced to take William Wallander over Anton Lindell. I said a while ago that of all of the defensemen in this year's draft, Wallander has the chance to be the one that is either as good or better than Jamie Drysdale. That's unlikely, but I see it as a possibility. Um, just with the raw tools that he has. And if he works and studies of the game and, and works and works and works, he looked good in the Allsvenskan when I would see him play there. Maybe over the years he gets there. Sure. And I could see the argument where you could say, well, Anton Lundell, I don't know where he goes from here. But that's a really tough thing to convince me on if I'm sitting at a draft table. If I'm sitting at the 12th overall pick and William Wallander is there, and he's the guy that's number one on my list, and Anton Lundell is number two for some reason. I don't know. I don't know how that ends up happening, but I'm not going to complain about the actual numbers that, that they're put in. It, it just doesn't make sense. Um, so I don't know. It's tough. It, it's it's tough, and, and I think you know it's kind of unfortunate because, again, like if anyone else had put this out and, and given the 
Um, you know, like Russian goaltender Yaroslav Askarov drops three spots from Button's November rankings after looking overwhelmed during the World Juniors. That's not that that's not good analysis. It's just not. He's playing in a men's league in Russia, which is a good league. It's not great, but it's good. It's a men's league. You know, pro hockey players who are 35 years old and have been doing this for 15 years play in that league. It's not a joke. He's one of two goaltenders in that league's history to play multiple games, you know, whether it's starting or backup or whatever. And he's very good in that league. Yeah, he might have been a bit overwhelmed in the World Juniors. The Russian teams historically don't do goaltenders very many favors in, in, in the World Juniors. This year might have been a bit different, but, you know, they usually aren't the most reliable team in front of a goaltender. And sure, he wasn't great, but... I don't know. I find that kind of questionable at at the very, you know, at the very least. Um So, it, you know, you it's it's about to me it's about the platform and what you get out of it for something as major or at least for something that should be as major as the draft, as taken as analyzed as seriously. Like the NFL draft airs the combine for days days and days of combine stuff and people watch it it's on youtube it has tons of views they make compilations out of it it's cool they make the draft cool and then this is bell media in in canada and you just don't you just don't get the same excitement out of it and it's and it's kind of poorly communicated i don't know that's kind of how i feel about it he's entitled to put guys in whatever order he feels is necessary um I'm looking at the January ones. That would explain it. That would explain a little bit of it. But Askarov's still at seven behind Jack Quinn. I don't know how you look at sixth overall and take Jack Quinn over Yaroslav Askarov. I don't see it. I cannot see that. I just don't see it. And I don't know how he explains that, you know, being happening. I don't know how he explains that happening. Uh, Reminds me of David Pasternak in so many ways. Well, would you rather have a David Posternock on your team or Tuka Rask right now, looking back? Like a number one franchise goaltender long-term? I mean, I love goal scoring too, but goalies can make coaches look like Hall of Famers. They can make a bad goalie, can make a coach, a good coach look horrible. It's just kind of how this goes, and, and I don't know how you make that argument that a, that a scoring winger who reminds you of a guy who scores a lot of goals could be more valuable than a franchise goaltender, you know, that, you know, that he compares to Carey Price in the next breath. So I don't know. Um, anyway, I don't, I don't want to ramble about Craig Button forever. Um, but all the more power to him with, with his, you know, views. Uh, Kyle, um, congrats on joining McKean's. Will it have any effect on your YouTube comment content? No. Uh, so the way that it's going to work for patrons, everything is the same. So they're going to, it's a little bit more structured now, but everything is going to be the same. So they get the written reports three days before the public release. Um, the videos also with that report, obviously all the data and all that stuff is still patron exclusive. And then towards the draft, I'll put public versions of my data sets online and the visualize visualization tools and everything, uh, that my patrons have they're going to be available towards whenever the draft is. Um, But with the YouTube specific stuff, no, it won't have any effect. Uh, You know, the videos will still come out whenever they come out. You'll, everyone will get them uh, when the public release day is public. Um, 
you know, the, the only thing that it really changes is that now I'm writing reports to go with the videos and they'll go on my website and then go on McKean's the next day. That's the only thing that changes. Everything else is, is away from McKean's. I'm basically just a contributor there now. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how that's going to work. So rest assured the written side is over there, but if all you really want is the videos, it's, it's all, it's all going to be here and there's going to be another report on Saturday. So, so yeah, um, uh, it, that, that's really it. Uh, Evan Hockey, congrats on McKean's. Wow, you guys are too nice to me. Uh, just curious how you feel about Justin Sordiff and how what he projects to be in the NHL. Yeah, um, Justin Sordiff strikes me as a player that, you know, you look at his data and you go, holy crap. Um, but the more I watch him, the more I think he's going to be a really good junior player and have a lot of trouble adjusting to when the game ramps up. He likes to take the game at a pretty slow pace. He's got some skill. He can flash some speed. Uh, he's got some offensive tools. There's some things to like. I'm just not sure that it's enough. And I haven't seen enough progression this season so far out of him to really make me think that the data lines up with the with the, you know, with the player. I just think that there's a bit of a slow pace to his game that that's really hard to overcome. And usually I'm not so concerned about guys who like to slow the game down and move pucks more efficiently and move with them with control and all that stuff. But it's with him it's like I don't know what what his future is going to be. I I think that in the WHL where the games can be a little more physical, a little slower, he can be kind of resilient on his feet. Uh you know, he he's got some nice tools you know, and the, and the data don't lie. He's still a great player relative to Vancouver, but that team is just not great on its own. Um, so it might be a case of these extremes where a player shows up really well on, on paper because the rest of their team isn't great. Um, I'm trying to think of examples, you know, like it's not on the same level, but like Jason Robertson was a lot like that. So in my data work, it made him look phenomenal. Um, you know, there's a few examples. I mean, I love Jason Robertson for sure. And everywhere he goes, he scores points. So that's great. But I don't really see the same thing out of Justin sort of, um, you know, he's ranked in my early, early third round. I think someone takes a flyer on him in the second round, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him slip into the third round, uh, just because of his maybe lack of foot speed. The, the skill isn't quite where you might want it to be with some other players in this range in the second round range. I just don't think there's enough there right now, um, even with all this really, really promising looking looking data. Um, Sam Kohler, hi Sam. Uh, congrats on the new gig. Thank you again. Thank you to you. You are wonderful. Uh, can you rank Teddy Niederbach, Daniel Torgerson, Oscar Magnuson, and Emil Heinemann? Wow, that's a you've been doing your homework. Uh, okay, so let's do this because I think I have all of those players actually ranked. So let's let's do this because this always helps when people ask me to order players. I just go to my whoop, uh, I just go to my little sheet here and filter for the players. Uh, Niederbach, you said Torgerson, uh, Magnuson, um, Heinemann. I just really like Swedish commentary because names are fun in, in that in Swedish. Uh, so my order for that is Torgerson, Heinemann, Magnuson, Niederbach. A little bit uh, 
far from what people might think to order them in like so i've got torgerson at 45 right now so a mid-second Haneman at 56 magnuson at 75 and niederbach at 88 so the thing about niederbach is that a lot of his production is uh, on the power play and i'm always skeptical of guys who generate a ton on the power play he's a he's a guy that flashes some good skill He's made some ridiculous passing plays in the offensive zone from time to time when I've been watching for Lunda's junior team. I just, I don't, I trust the data a bit more when I watch him play. I see it even strength. I see him not really being much of a guy that moves the needle. Uh, maybe as a as a trigger man or a setup man on the power play, I could see it. Um, but if that's a guy that someone takes a first round pick on, that's a guy that I let them do that and say, okay, like that's cool. I see what you're kind of getting at, but that's not my jam. Um, I would much rather, personally, of the guys you mentioned, like looking in the second round, Daniel Torgerson, I think, could be an NHL player pretty quickly. Like, I don't think he's going to be a a massive uh, NHL superstar or anything, but he projects to me as a good NHL, like a solid NHL player. Uh, He's big. He's strong on his feet. He can protect the puck really, really well. He's not slow on his feet either. He's a pretty good skater, um, and he can and he can sort of bulldoze through guys if he needs to, at least at the junior level right now. Uh, but you know, he's got a six foot three frame. He's gonna build on it, I'm assuming. Um, and he could and and you know what? He has a natural instinct of being a bit of a prick. So in the SHL, I've seen all the time that he played. It wasn't a ton, but in that time, he could have had a couple of points. Uh, he goes to the front of the net and he's a menace in front of the net. He's a big dude. That's hard to move. And in the NHL, there's a few guys who make a living doing that. Go to the front of the net, tip pucks in, take those shots from high danger areas and just slap pucks into the net one way or the other. And he's got a good shot on him too. There's a reason he has so many goals. Um, but he's a player that every time I've seen him play, at both ends of the ice, you know, he's a really, really strong two-way guy with some good offensive upside uh, and, and a really, really good ability of protecting the puck in, in the Swedish Junior League and can get to the net and be a pain in the butt to handle. And and in the second round, if you have had a couple of picks already, I would say, and you don't really have a bit of that, like, snarl with talent, Torgerson might be a guy that, that you take a good look at. Um I would say he's not the highest upside guy out there, but I just, for what he is, I just really like watching him play. Uh, Haneman is, I would rank him higher because every time I've seen him play with Lexans, I think he's got it. I think it, it's something over the years clicked this year. The question will be if that clicks down the road. I haven't tracked any games of him or Torgerson, but they're both on the list to get to eventually. But whenever I've seen Haneman play, and he's, I've also seen his games in the SHL as well. Again, not a ton of ice time, but he doesn't look out of place in that. I mean, there was one shift I saw where he could have easily had two assists from behind the net. Um, you know, he's really agile on his feet. He he can handle the puck pretty well now, at least. Um, good offensive tools. You know, good defensive player in the junior league, apparently. I mean, a 0.5 even strength goals against rate is astoundingly low. So he's doing something right uh the question will be is this just the best season he's ever had and ever will have or did something click and then in the years moving forward uh he's this tremendously undervalued player that everyone was you know sleeping on i need to take a closer look at him but from what i have seen i think i'm more on the side of something clicked and he's just 
a lot better than he was, whether he grew into his frame or worked on his skills way more than he originally was or, or something. I don't know because he looks to me legit. Uh, and I, and I, I've, I've enjoyed watching him as well. And then the other guys, uh, our other guy, Oscar Magnuson, Oscar Magnuson really seems like a high upside, low floor player, like a pretty boomer bust player. He's really slender, can get knocked around a lot. Um, but he certainly skates really well. He, he, he moves quickly around the ice. Uh, he's agile, good on his edges, um, creative offensive player as well. Really, really good player. So, so again, I'm not sure he's not the best defensive player, but I think that comes down to, he's a bit small. Um, you know, he's small and is small, I guess is the way that I would put it. Uh, so kind of waits for play to, to present itself so he can turn it back up the ice, which is fine. But, but yeah, a guy that if he's in the third round and I just want to take a swing on his production, I certainly would be more than happy to do it. Uh, just not, there's a chance that he's just a smaller skilled player that has more success on big ice in Sweden kind of thing. Um, and then Niederbach we went over. So Torgerson, Heinemann, Magnuson, Niederbach would be my order. And you know what? At the end of the day, Niederbach, when you get into that range of my rankings, it's like if guys really, really like Niederbach and we're picking in the third or fourth round and he's somehow still available, then let's chat. But I don't I don't really see Niederbach as that first slash early second rounder that some people are pointing out. And I know he has his fans out there. It's just from a data perspective and from what I've seen, which is almost always even strength, Yeah, I just don't think that he's much of a needle mover. Uh, or at least not as much as potentially, definitely Torgerson and Mag- and maybe even Magnuson and Haneman is a big question mark. So we'll see. Um, but I do like all three of those guys right now a little bit better. Uh, Jordan L. Oh yeah. Okay. So Jordan is a pharmacist. So yes, thank you, Jordan, for for all your work these days. Um. Hockey with CJ. Oh, this is a hell of a question. Okay. You get the first pick in the third round, and the players you have to choose from are Ryan Francis, Emil Haneman, Sam Colangelo, uh, Blake Biondi, Damon Hunt, Donovan Sabrango, Samuel Kanazko, Brock Faber, Pavel Tutniev, Eamon Powell, Oliver Suni. Is that uh, Roman Seeley? Ronan. Ronan. Matthew Benning, Ruben Rafkin, and Connor McLennan. Okay, so I'm going to say that that's a lot of names. Um, I'm also going to say that this is probably similar to uh, what an NHL team would probably face in that situation. Um, I will also say that Blake Biondi is not ranked on my list, mostly because I haven't seen a tremendous amount of him. Um, nor is Damon Hunt uh, or Donovan Sobrango. So there's, a, there's the guys that you can eliminate from there. Uh, Faber as well is not in there. Um, Pavel Tutniev is in there. Eamon Powell is in there. I like Eamon Powell quite a bit. Um, Oliver Suni should be in here. Yes, he is. There he is. Seely is in here. Uh, Benning is in here. Rafkin is not. And McLennan. So these are the guys that I actually have ranked that you mentioned. And it's in this order. So... I agree. If I had the first pick in the third round, it would be Samuel Knazko. I think that Knazko, for how young he is and what I've seen him do on the ice, he's got tremendous upside. 
there's a chance that he becomes an incredibly unreliable player. He he can do a lot. You know, he can do too much on the ice, too much for my liking, and it can really cost him. But the way he skates around the ice, the way he moves pucks, you know, how aggressive he can be with his passing and his shooting, for that matter, I, I really, really like the package of talent that Knasko has. I liked him at the World Juniors. He did show that he was a bit too aggressive at times, you know, pinching way too deep in the offensive zone. Uh, and causing some some turnovers and I figure if you're going to be a player for the Slovakian team at the World Juniors you might want to be a little bit more conservative uh, and pick your spots a little bit more carefully than you usually do but you know what he's 17 not too far away from eligibility next year I think it's less than a month if I'm not mistaken um and and I you know I just I like the kid quite a bit after that it would be Haneman uh Haneman and Ryan Francis and Connor McLennan so and Sam Colangelo are all in a group of four pretty close within 10 picks of each other honestly you could I would probably think about any one of those four in any order to be perfectly honest there's a reason they're all tiered together um you know I like Samuel Canasco the most out of the guys in that tier but between Haneman to Colangelo I don't know I mean I like Connor McLennan but his second half was a lot better I find that he's a guy who doesn't really put in 100% unless he wants to, uh, which, you know, doesn't really do him a ton of favors. But he got better as the year went on, for sure. Sam Colangelo, I think, doesn't really have a ton of upside. Um, but, you know, similar to like a Daniel Torgerson pick, if you just want a guy who could probably chip in at some point and you're in the third round, then, then maybe I think about it. Uh, beyond that, though, Ryan Francis slowed down as the year went on, but... You know, I like his profile. I don't know. There's a chance, again, he's one of these guys that might not work out in the NHL. I think he's a bit small, gets rubbed off a little bit quick, quickly. Um, you know, needs to, you know, he's a good skater, but he needs to be better at it to, to be, you know, what he could be. Uh, and he's a guy that I was tracking. I need to go back and, and keep going with him. But he's he's a good player. And if it's the third round, you could, you could push me on it. Uh, Emil Haneman... I would need to do more homework to be sure, but but he would probably be another one. Tutniev, I think you could get later. So I think that that would be... I think Tutniev would be a guy that you could get later, so I would probably not pick him in the third round and say, you know, there, you know like I'd rather have a Samuel Knazko than a Pavel Tutniev, but in the fourth round or fifth round, then we're talking Pavel Tutniev territory. Um, but if a team is smart and picks him up in the third round, then I'll be sad, but... Um, that's a guy I just think that you probably could get later, uh, if you have guys like Nazco on the board and, and the other four guys that, that are up there. Uh, Michael Benning, I saw someone ask a question about Michael Benning later. So is Michael Benning a second or third round pick? I think he's a guy that, that I could take in the third round. He's at the tail end of my third round, but he's in a tier that pushes up well into the third round. You know, I like how sort of shifty he is. I like how he moves pucks around the ice. I'm just not sure there's enough there. His skating, you know, his 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 foot speed is not great. Um, you know, he really reminds me of like a Mike Kester from last year. So good at distributing pucks, good at moving pucks around the ice. Um, not tremendously uh, physical in in his game. You know, doesn't really play physically defensively to shut guys down. Um, can certainly quarterback a power play, but you know, in terms of what you're getting out of him, I'm not like people are starting to you know, compare him to Kale McCarr, for example, and I don't see that. Um, I, I don't. I think he's a good defenseman. I think there's potential. I just think that, you know, if someone took him in the second round, 
that's another one where I'm going, okay, there's risk and I don't think I want to take that risk. Uh, I'll go with a different player. Um, especially when it comes to how he gets around the ice and how, how much more exciting defensemen there are out there who can distribute pucks just as well at a higher level. You know, like the BC, the AJHL is, is not a league that when I watch it, I go, you know, I could see tremendous amounts of NHL talent coming out of this league all of the time. I think guys like Bernard Docker, who is a good prospect guys like Kale McCarr is sort of a one-off. I mean, he was unbelievable, uh, in his draft year. And, and even he had some question marks coming out of his draft year from my perspective. Um, I'm just not sure that he's really, uh, a higher pick than I'd say a third round pick uh mostly because I'm not you know I always remember coming into this season super excited to watch him play and at the junior club world cup which was the first real tournament of the year uh and then I watched and tracked a few of his games with Sherwood Park I just kind of come away going okay like I see where his points are coming from I see all of this stuff I just don't know when things get ratcheted up where he's going to end up I, I don't know uh, and then Ronan Seeley, Eamon Powell, and Oliver Suni. I mean, they're just guys later on in my in my draft. I have them ordered Seeley, Powell, Suni. Not the biggest fan of Oliver Suni. Uh, none of his data really looks some, like something that you really want to go out and draft in the second or third round, or first pick of the third round. Neither Same with Seeley, and I think Powell you could get later. I really like uh, Eamon Powell, but I think that would be a bit too high for me. But I do really like Eamon Powell, and I think whoever gets him, if they're patient and wait could get a good, you know, good responsible defenseman out of him for sure. Uh who do you think has higher upside, Poirier or Sanderson? Well, it depends on what you're talking about. I think Poirier has more upside, but it's unlikely he reaches his ceiling. Uh and with Jake Sanderson, I think he will reach his ceiling, but I think his ceiling is defensively responsible minutes eater who can move pucks pretty well around the ice, you know, someone you know, I'm trying to think of names off the top of my head, but, you know, I don't think he's like a Norris candidate defenseman one day. Um, you know, I mean, it, let, let, let's quickly take a look. Uh, but Jake Sanderson, because I can't, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of NHL players in my head. Um, but with, but with, like, looking at defensemen who score... I don't think he's going to be a huge scoring defenseman, whereas Poirier certainly uh, certainly could. I think Poirier could get there. He has all the talent in the world. Uh, whereas I see with Jake Sanderson, you know, Sanderson might be more of a... God, I, I hate doing this. I just, I, I don't like doing it. But, you know, everyone talks about guys like Jacob Slavin, who generate their offense just by being very good defensively and then moving pucks, you know, the other way, you know, you're going to get a player who can play very responsible defense, really good with his stick, doesn't resort to physicality a tremendous amount, but he can, um, and makes the, makes that first pass pretty well. Most of the time, good puck mover, you know, with some nice offensive flashes to him. I just don't think that there's, you know, a, a top pair 20 something minute a night number one defenseman in Sanderson there I I it's maybe possible but I'm not I'm not convinced at, at the moment um and with Poirier I'm also not convinced there's a top pairing defenseman really but I think there's the talent that you can see right now but with him a lot of it is just like Arthur Kaliev it's all in here 
he'll he'll make bad decisions he he makes poor passing decisions he seems to play selfishly a lot um you know really relies on his own talent to get the job done and he's a net negative defensive player on a bad defensive team which is not a good combination for someone that you might think be would be a top pairing defenseman down the road but if you're willing to live by the poirier and die by the poirier then he might be your guy whereas with sanderson i think there's safety in that pick i think he's going to be an nhl player and a decent one at the very least but where he goes from there is where i get some question marks so i would say upside with poirier yeah but a safer sort of option is is sanderson i guess you would say um i also kind of funny you talk about a three month difference in age the next stat you can track is if the player were born two months premature if they were born late yeah that's true right like there are players out there who i think nick robertson was born early uh i think there was a story in the athletic about it there was some medical issue i could be wrong but if that hadn't happened he would have been born in eligibility for this year's draft so that's kind of interesting but yeah i mean it's it it is true it is something to keep in mind you know you have an arthur Callie, you have a jack quinn two very different types of players for sure but they're less than a quarter of a year apart in age one was drafted in the second round last year and that was considered a pretty big slip uh and and outpaced him in scoring pretty well this year on a worse team and jack quinn you know had a very good year uh but I would say isn't on quite on the same level it's why age adjustment and keeping in mind players birthdays are is is so important uh you know especially for the guys that are born in say september october where they could have an extra year of eligibility in junior uh or an extra year of experience and then they have a year less of experience otherwise they become an overage player which you know that that could factor into their development as well if the team wants to keep them as an overage player that's fine um but that's using up you only have a limited number of those slots on your junior team so maybe they go well we want to use them on other guys or whatever or if you guys think that they could be in the ahl then they become some of the youngest ahl players out there so you better be sure if you make that decision it's it's kind of a tough call and and yeah it's it's a tough situation for for guys that are born in that weird kind of area but i i I don't know it's it is interesting and, and you have to note birth dates for sure especially when they're either very, very far apart or very, very close together. Uh, David DeGerdner, once again, always here with the with the with the cues, which is all good with me. What do we got? Did Holloway's production make you question his upside? I see an NHL player, but not sure I see a top line forward. So he's dropped a bit in my ranking lately. Um, nothing insane. Like I think it's two or three spots. He's still a top 15 guy to me, so he's at 14. You know, Wisconsin has had a tough year. Uh, They seem to be a bit disjointed when they play. Uh, The thing I like about Dylan Holloway is his skating and his hands combined. He seems to know how to control the puck really, really well. I think that there's... Again, he's coming from the AJHL and was a dominant AJHL player last year. And like I said, it's not the most incredible league in the whole world, and... You know, it's a big adjustment for for most players to go from that league, especially if you're a high octane offensive skilled player, which he is, uh, to go from there to to a very good NCAA program. At least they should have been on paper. But but Dylan Holloway, I thought looked fine. His second half was much better than his first. Um, 
my data on him is a mixed bag, I would say, but the thing that he does really well that I like a lot is he's aggressive all the time. He's never floating around the ice, but he also, when he moves pucks up the ice, he does it with control. I mean, I, I, again, like, let me just pull him up here and take a quick look. Dylan Holloway. Holloway, there he is. Um, Yeah, so it's funny. I mean, the thing that I've seen with Wisconsin is that their defense just isn't very good. They don't do very good, do do a very good job of suppressing high danger chances. Like Dylan Holloway through four games of my tracking in a high danger shot attempt percentage is 27%, which is horrible. Uh, I don't think there's a single player. William Wallander is around 29% in that regard, uh, but there's other reasons for that. But Dylan Holloway... in looking at just removing low danger, so high and medium danger, it's 55%. So when it comes to driving medium danger, he's doing his job. Um, you know, he's not getting a ton of shot attempts from from really high danger areas, though. I think there's a confidence thing going on there. He's got the talent. You can see it. I think that he just, there's an adjustment that he's going through. He needs to push deeper into the offensive zone with control of the puck. He sometimes loses control of it, you know, gets bumped off pucks in the offensive zone. Um, you know, he tries a lot, which I like, but he needs to actually pull more off in order to make it work. There's a lot of talent to like. I think he's a guy that you send back to Wisconsin for at least another year and say, you know, just focus on your own game. Keep working. There's no pressure on you to be an NHL player right away. Um, because I think it does take some adjustment for guys, especially out of that league to become really high level NCAA players. I could see it out of him. He's got extremely good hands. He's got the motor. He's got the speed that in my opinion, and and he's not, you know, in the data that I've tracked, he's not the quickest guy I've tracked, but he's certainly right in the mix for a very, very good blue line to blue line time. So it's not, I can see why people might be dropping him a bit. There are some things that indicate that this is a lot for him this season. Um, But you know what? I've seen him play quite a bit. I've seen Wisconsin play quite a bit. That team had a hard time putting things together. They really reminded me of a team like the Sea Dogs. So we were just talking about Poirier and how there's a lot of issues with, you know, playing as a team, moving pucks as a unit, staying structured and and, and focused. And I think with Wisconsin, there was a lot of, you know, trying a lot. Uh, their defense couldn't really mobilize things particularly well. Uh, and and it, so, it's, so it's kind of a mixed bag. But I think that there's hope for sure with Dylan Holloway. I think a top 15 pick would be perfectly reasonable. Um, You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him slip a little, but if you're patient with him and trust the talent that he shows, I think he'll be a good player. Uh, Next. Uh, Who do you see having the most upside of Noel Gundler, Jan Mashak, or Rodion Amirov? That's a good good group of three. Um, The most upside... You know, in the if I'm thinking in the NHL, kind of thinking Noel Gundler, uh, part of me, I would put it in the order of Gundler, Amirov, Mashak. I think Mashak could have a lot of upside, but I don't know if he'll quite get there. Um, but I do really like how he plays. Gundler, I think, again, polar player. You're, he's either going to be a very, very good NHL player or a really hard player to trust on a night-in, night-out basis. Uh, unless he's just a physical energy guy, which is also possible with how he gets around the ice and, and his natural tendency to be pretty aggressive. 
Um, but I do really like Noel Gundler's sort of creativity. He seems to play a North American sort of pro mindset game, which is good. Rodion Amirov, though, I think Rodion Amirov has the potential to be the best player of the three when you when you zoom out and be realistic. They're all really good players, though. I mean, these guys are ranked back to back to back in my ranking. So Gundler, Mishak, Amirov, 11, 12, 13. Is that, a, is that what that is? Yes, 11, 12, 13. And Dylan Holloway at 14. So Amirov, I think, is really smart. I think offensively, he's the smartest of those three. He is finding open ice when he has the puck. He's making little moves to make space for himself and find teammates and everything. I, I really enjoy watching him play. Um, with Noel Gundler, it's inconsistency. But when he's at his best, he's a really fun player to watch. I think he could be a really electrifying player. And Jan Mashak, not the, not as much of an electrifying high-octane guy, but a good playmaker, good overall uh, all-around offensive game, you know, I thought he played really well, all things considered, in the Czech League this year. You know, he's a good skater. I just, I'm kind of skeptical of, of his of his likelihood of getting there, but, but there's a lot to like. So, I would be okay at 11th overall. Prob- probably my guy would be Gundler at that spot. But, you know, that, that 11th overall spot right now, for me, there's a ton of guys that you could convince me on. It's totally you know, kind of way more wide open for me now in that range. But those three guys with Holloway in there as well, maybe a Jacob Perot if he interviews well and you like him. Um, I mean, I have Marat Kuznodinov at 16 now. I just can't help myself anymore. I need help. Um, but even he's a guy that at 11, if you really want to, you know, step up to the plate with your baseball bat, that would be something I would entertain. But right now, that's kind of how I vibe out those three names you specifically mentioned. Jed Soroka. Hey, Will, you are the man. I am a man. I don't know about the man. Uh, what's your take on Shakir Mukamadulin? I've seen him on a few places, but not on your lists. He's not going to be on my list. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't see it. I, I tracked a couple of games of his early in the year because I wanted to see his team play. There's a lot of good names on it. Uh, handles the puck like a grenade he skates okay I guess Uh, he can shoot it okay I guess he's an aggressive offensive player at at times you know moving pucks to dangerous areas and all that good stuff but boy um, not a lot of urgency to his game some unbelievably silly decisions that I've seen out of him his world junior A was fine but not great He's a guy that, if he's drafted in the second round, by all means, have a go. I, I would. He's one of the few guys that I just probably wouldn't look at. Um, there's a lot of other defensemen that I've liked a lot better. Like it, and I usually don't look at a player and go, no, just no. But and and, and usually when I do do that, it's about the player's style of play not really resonating with how I would. You know, if I'm assembling the future of a team, not really how I'd want the game to be played. A lot of dumping, a lot of moving pucks without control, a lot of just lobbing pucks up the middle of the ice, ripe for for takeaways, all that stuff. Just not not great. Um, Some of the guys just not my my style. Muka Madulin is one of those guys who whenever I've seen him play, I just don't see what people are seeing. 
So yeah, just not not a guy that's on my radar a whole lot. Um, David DeGerdner again. Where do you rank Tyler Tulio? I don't see him in the second round on many lists. I think a lot of Aiden Duda, Aiden Dudas in him. I think he falls to the second round. I think someone smart's gonna pick him up pretty early. I've got him in the second round, I believe. Tulio just outside the second round. I mean, again, the range from twenty to sixty-five. I'd say. Even, okay, maybe let's call it 35 to 65-ish is a total mess. Um, I, I There's so many good players that are that usually would be available earlier from in, in that range. Ty Tulio, I've liked watching him play. He's one of the better players on the generals that I have seen. Good skill, works hard, um, you know, good offensive skill is, you know, you know he's, he's a, he's a, on paper, offensive skill, but not a ton of defensive suppression. That's okay. I'll live with it. Um, he's a he's a good supplementary guy. I don't know if I would use a top, you know, a first round pick or a mid second or an early second on him. But towards the late second round, if a lot of the guys that I really really like are off the board, you know, Tulio's a guy that I could easily look at. You know, his even strength points are are good. Uh, you know, he's involving himself in goals really well. I like his skill. He's not just doing it by lobbing pucks from the blue line on net and someone else tapping it in or anything. I like Tyler Tulio. Uh, there's just a lot of guys in that range that I also like a little bit more, but Tulio's a guy that I also still need to see more of. Um, but from what I've seen, I, I do like what I, what he, what he does. Um, Aiden Dudas. Yeah, I could see a little bit of Aiden Dudas in him. You're right. And if he's in there in the fourth round, that's an easy call. I, I don't think he will. Cause I think teams will go a little bit more gutsy but again he's a five foot nine center so who knows what nhl teams will do with that uh follow up to that also simone Tavall dropped in my rankings this month now in the mid second i'm not sure he'll ever overcome his size and be an impact nhler well i i can see where you're going uh with that casper simone Tavall to me is going to be a guy who either works out or is a forever a good player in finland I I think that on big open ice in Finland he's a he could he has the potential to be great over there. For sure, 100%. There's a ton of talent. He's a great skater, lethal offensive player. Uh lots and lots and lots to like about Kasper Simontoval. He's exciting. Uh all that stuff. It's all good. Uh the issue from what I've seen of him is that, you know, he's not consistent. He can sort of take some shifts off. Uh, let me pull up his data here as well. Simone Tavall, there he is. Um, the good part is, so I've tracked four games. Yes, four. And he's an under 50% shot attempt percentage guy, but removing low danger, he's 54%. And removing low and medium danger, it's 64%. So when he's on the ice, they're they're getting chances when he's playing. Uh, but the problem is that he's completing 65% of his passes at the under 20 level, which will need to be better. Uh, and it's not like he's trying a lot of passes to dangerous areas. His passing rate there is 12%. So that's about mediocre. That that so he he's there's some stuff that's kind of getting overblown and masked by by teammates. Um, but you know what? One in five of his own shot attempts are from the front of the net, which is good. Uh, but you know, defensively he does need work. I think even though his defensive catalyst percentage is positive. You know, I think that a lot of that is his teammates. He's a bit slow to react on blue line transitions. Not the best neutral zone guy. He could be, though. He's got the speed, the footwork. He's got the agility to do it. 
Um, it's just going to be a question of like putting it all together uh, and being consistent with it moving forward. Cause I don't know if I see it as particularly likely, um, but he, he does have flashes of real, real talent. I don't know if I would do him, do it in the first round with him. I don't think that that's quite where I see him. I used to, but the more I watched him, the more I kind of cooled on him. Um, but he does have a higher ceiling than some of the guys that I had ranked ahead of him. I just don't know how likely it is he gets there. Uh, his second half also was better as well. That's a plus, but I don't know. I'm going to need to finish the games I track on him, see what I think after that. But second round guy for sure, for sure. Early second round, for sure. I could see it. Not so sure about anything much higher than that. Um, Is Alexi Melnichuk a free agent worth getting worked up over? Um, That's the goalie, right? I know that's not how you spell his name. There it is. Alexei Melnichuk. Well, uh, I do remember watching him last year when I was doing the um, Pod Colson video. I don't know. Goalies are weird, and goalies in the KHL are even weirder. I think if you can get him for free, then he's worth it. He's worth the look. I mean, it doesn't cost you anything. He doesn't, he's not draft eligible. So give it a go. Why not? Uh, from what I've seen though, Russian hockey, not a tremendous amount of extreme high danger stuff. Um, so you're seeing a lot of shots from the blue line, from the boards, from the goal line, all that stuff. Just kind of a put it on net and see what happens type of game, which is fine. Uh, but that you get, that's where you get these hyperinflated, you know, shot save percentages. Plus, he's playing on the best team in in the league. Um, but you know what though? From what I've seen of him, he's a perfectly capable goaltender. If he costs you nothing to bring into the team, uh, a couple of years on an entry level deal, if that's what he wants, then by all means, give him a go. There are many, many worse goalies that got entry level contracts in the world. Um, so I would see what happens with him. I mean. In, even if he shores up your AHL team so that the team in front of him can develop the young guys on that team better, then by all means, that's a good investment. So I would want to, again, whenever people ask me about goalies, I kind of defer to the idea that if I'm ever in a position to assemble a team of guys, I want a couple of guys that are basically like, you're my goalie people. And I want you to both find me a, a goalie every year where I can get a pick and just take a swing on him. As long as he saves pucks, and as long as he's not five foot eight, I'm interested. And show me some tape, show me what you like about him, and explain it to me. You know, I'm okay with that. Because uh, I'm not a go I've never. Pl I played goalie when I was six, and I gave up after I gave up six goals in a game. I'm not made to be a goaltender. Uh, so, I it's not my area of expertise. I mean, I've seen a lot of goalies play in my work. And I kind of know when I like what a goalie's doing and when I don't. And I know what an NHL goaltender kind of looks like these days. Um, but beyond that, developing a kid into an NHL goaltender is something that I just don't know. It's a totally different universe. Um, but again, this is a free dude. Doesn't cost you a draft pick. If you can, if you can pay him the money and he wants to come over, I, I would certainly give him a go because he has the pedigree for sure. Uh, how would you rank 
these players. Neighbors, Wiesblatt, Novak, Robbins. Man, rank these players. Well, let me do that. Neighbors. Wiesblatt. Novak. I'm going to write every word I know. Robbins. Tristan Robbins is very good. I'll say that. Um, but he is the fourth one out of those four. Uh, Jake Neighbors at 40. I've got Wiesblatt at 44. Novak at 52. And Tristan Robbins at 66. But that's only because I need to see more of him. Uh, I do really like Pavel Novak. I think Novak is really underrated. Um, just always a dangerous player on the ice. Good foot speed on him too. Good skill. Um, guy that maybe I have ranked a little high now that I think about it, but but I like him a lot. Every time I've seen him, I like him a lot, and some of his advanced data is really, really good. I think Ozzy Wiesblatt and Jake Neighbors are going to be NHL players. It's just, I don't know what ceiling they have. Wiesblatt, I've found to be very inconsistent from what I've seen of him, um, but good zone control guy, moving pucks up the ice with control, uh, you know, solid skilled player. Just not sure where he goes from here. He's a He's a guy that sometimes moves the needle a lot for me and sometimes doesn't i have him ranked in my mid first round i could see him going higher for sure uh i could be convinced to take him higher for sure but i also am really excited about the guys in europe this year like the europeans in this year's group i think are really really underrated and that includes pavel novak um i think the fact that he plays on Kelowna masks things a bit uh for him and then Jake Neighbors, I think, just is a really nice, well-rounded package. You know, if you have, you know, a big factor with drafting him to me is if you look at your prospect group and your future of your team and what you think your lineup might start to look like, and you already have, you know, a bunch of options for guys that you know if they're going to be NHL players will score a lot or a bunch of really, really good defense or potentially good defensemen uh, or whatever – and you just kind of want something supplementary that you can sort of plug and play in your lineup and rely on, which is a role that you need. You need role players to win. Jake Neighbors is a really good one. I think that he shows nice skill. Uh, he shows a good, well-rounded ability to anticipate play, to move around the ice, move pucks around the ice. You know, I, I like Jake Neighbors a lot, um, but I can also see why I could easily be convinced to maybe pass on him and take an Ozzy Wiesblatt or even a Pavel Novak for that matter, probably tougher to make that sell, but you know, it's, it's there. I think there's more upside in a guy like Novak, but a lower floor. Whereas with neighbors, I think there's a pretty high floor and you kind of know what you're getting. Um, and with Tristan Robbins though, I need to see more. I have a few games ready to track of his, but from what I've seen, I've liked him a lot, uh, over the course of the year. Same thing with Kyle Cernkovich, uh, who's like a five foot six winger who I think plays with Robbins. Uh, and they've made quite the duo together. And I, I like both of those players quite a bit. Uh, and if Robbins is available, I mean, the NHL had him ranked 134th in North America. So if he's available way back in the draft, then uh, sign me up. Um, is Michael Benning a second or third round pick? There, yeah, we got we got the, we got got the that out of the way there, guys. Uh, Brian McAvoy. That's a good last name. Good strong name, McAvoy. Okay. Any thoughts on Kirill Tutiaev? Yeah. I mean, I like him. I think, I, I don't know where, um, you know, he, I know he's putting up the points, uh, you know, at, at multiple levels of the game for sure. 
I like him. I think he's a good, skilled winger, creative playmaker for sure. Uh, but I'm not sure he has enough of the enough of that speed and skill and 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 evasiveness to make it work. Like he has it for playing in Russia, and he's a good playmaker. I mean, 17 assists in 27 games against men is is good. Um, I I would need to watch more of him to really get a good gauge of 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 what he is but from what i've seen you know he's got good skill he's a good skater really creative playmaker can certainly set up a play really really well but i'm not sure i mean he's gonna be 20 you know if he's in the khl next year great uh, you get to get a better look at him and he was a seventh round pick and as a seventh round pick probably a decent swing i had no idea who he even was uh when he was drafted because he was a D plus one, a really young one, but still a D plus one, and a point per game player in the MHL is good, but not phenomenal, especially for someone who is a second time draft eligible. But you know what? He's built on his season really well. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Uchali Uchali Gornak Uchali. I don't know if there's any Russians you can pronounce it for me, but um, if I'm not mistaken, they weren't the best team. Um, who am I? Oh, so they were eleventh in the game in the in the in the league, which I must have been thinking of. Who was I thinking of? I was thinking of some other team. Uh, oh, Sabir's VHL team was not very good. Uh, but let's take a look here, just quickly, because he was eligible for the first time in 2018. No, that's not what I wanted. 2018. Apply. Also, if you don't pay for elite prospects, I know I know economic times are tough, but. It's a pretty good website. Um, yeah, so he trails Kirill Marchenko by a bit in terms of production per game. Uh, I believe Marchenko wasn't really playing a ton. I don't know how much Tutiaev was playing. But that's a good sort of thing to have on your pedigree and on your resume there. It's like, I can keep up with Kirill Marchenko on the score sheet. That's a pretty good thing. So it's not like he's a, he's a complete joke. Um, I like him. I'm not sure where he goes, though. I kind of see a good shifty offensive playmaker but you know is he good enough to push it against north american teams he's a seventh round pick though you can't be too upset uh, and he's doing well so far so it's promising but he's a few years away i would say um next 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 um okay what do you think of Alex Romanov? I feel he could be a Dmitry Orlov for the Habs. Uh, yeah, I could see something like that. You know, Romanov is a is his best asset is his skating, which is a good thing to work with. And it seems like the Montreal Canadiens really value defensemen who can skate. Victor Mete, Jaden Struble, uh, Matthias Norlinder, and Alexander Romanov are all good examples of that. Um, you know, Romanov, I think his offensive ability at the next level might be a bit limited i think his puck movement is good but sometimes he makes decisions that are questionable um i think he's gonna be a solid defenseman i know they think he can play in the nhl next season personally i would you know with anyone that isn't a top top draft pick uh and you aren't 100 sure i probably wouldn't say something like that um but i would say that i would give him a shot to make that team they have a lot of defensemen that i think he could probably outplay at least for a bit to get a cup of coffee in the league um and that's if he comes over 
so I do like him. Uh, I just, you know, Dmitry Orlov, I could see uh, that type of a, of a player, but he's just a very effective mover around the ice and, and a good two-way kind of defenseman. So I guess maybe a Dmitry Orlov, but I feel like Dmitry Orlov has a bit more flash to his game, a little bit more offense and, and on all that, but maybe I just... Maybe I'm just, you know, seeing very limited Washington Capitals games, I guess. But but Alex Romanov is a, is a good player for sure. And I don't know, I don't... I'm a little bit cooler on him than most, but certainly can respect what he does on the ice. Um, <laughs> Jordan, let's get a little Chromiak love. I like Martin Chromiak. I think that... You know, I, I find that he sort of created a good line. Obviously, he did because of his results. But, you know, Shane Wright is ridiculous. I If you haven't seen him play, try to find a way to do it because he's ridiculous. Uh, Zade Wisdom was on that line as well. I love Zade Wisdom. I don't... I think he's probably going to be a bottom six energy guy in the NHL at some point. But probably nothing more than that. But... Similar to a Daniel Torgerson, he just does that really well. He he works his tail off. He he's incredibly aggressive. You know, never gives you time to think with the puck. Frees up pucks for his teammates. Just seems like just a great dude to play with. Um, you know, you just have to respect how he plays the game, and that's a guy that I absolutely would would be looking to pick up. Um, I mean, I have him ranked in the third round because I just feel like his upside is relatively limited. Um, but having those two things there, so Shane Wright being ridiculous and Zade Wisdom being that sort of, you know, aggressive, uh, puck freeing space, creating guy with a bit of skill, I guess you could say, uh, who you just love playing with. Martin Chromiak is not either of those things. He's a more pacey kind of puck control playmaker type player. Uh, you know, he has a decent shot on him, but it's more about, his his ability to see the game, let something happen around him and slow things down a bit. I've seen him look horrible when I tracked him in the Slovakian league. He looked terrible in some of the games. Um, I haven't tracked him in the OHL yet. It is on my list to do, and I will get to it. I did one, actually. And again, I came away with a bit of an impression of when he goes up to a higher level, things might get a little bit tough. Um, you know, needs to move his feet a little bit more. Uh you know, his passing is good, but not phenomenal. There's good skill there as well. I just, I like him. Second round pick, sure, let's talk. Um, but people looking at his production and expecting that to be him, I think might be, might be over, might be underestimating just how important guys like Wright and Wisdom are to enabling Chromiak to play the way he does. So, you know, if you can make it work, I could see it with Chromiak. If you can find line mates that can shelter him a bit and he's freer to have more open space and more time to think and, and can see play around him a little bit better, then sure. Uh, I just find that in the NHL, there's less and less of that. And you kind of have to adapt as things present themselves and keep your feet moving all the time because everyone else is moving their feet all the time. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of where I feel about Chromiak at the moment. But we're going to finish him up, and we're going to do a video on him, because I'd be stupid not to. Okay, when ranking players with late birthdays, this is from Kay Dalazana. Dalazana? Dalazana. It's, it's a good username. Kadalazana. Anyway. Uh, when ranking players with late birthdays, how much do you take into account their play and production in their D-1 season? 
Well, I try to use age adjustments to equalize it a bit. Uh, that's where the score comes into handy, comes in handy. Um, and it's all about context, right? So if you're dealing with a player born in December, you know, it's, if you're looking at, say, two players and one's born in December and one is born in February, it, to me, there's no real point in, in discerning between the two. Um, you do have to expect a bit more out of players born late in the year prior to eligibility. So October, September, November, December, whatever, all those players in those months, you do kind of have to expect something different in some places. They might have an extra year of development at a certain level. Uh, so if it's the under 18 level based on the rules where they play, they might be playing with players a lot older than them. Um, and that's a, that's a benefit for them they get an extra year on the other guys who might be born in 2002 for example but you know it, it's all about kind of nuance and it's more the way i kind of think about it is i let the data speak for itself first and i go okay i look at quentin byfield and alexi lafreniere and there's a perfectly reasonable argument to be made that since there's an 11 month difference between the two Quentin Byfield is going to be a guy that potentially could be a better player in say five or 10 years than an Alexi Lafreniere could. So you could make that argument and I would have it, I'd have, I'd be all ears for it. If I'm picking first overall, I still know who I'm picking first overall, uh, especially because you're picking first overall. But, but, but the point that I'm trying to make is that you can sort of look at the data, let it speak for itself, let the age adjustment speak for itself and then examine from there. So if you're looking at a Jack Quinn, for example, who's barely eligible for this year's draft, almost eligible for last year's draft, I'm sitting there going, if I draft him last year, knowing that, you know, where would I draft him last year, knowing that this is the season that he was going to have? First round? Maybe. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, maybe. If I knew that this was the season that he was going to have. You know, just looking at these names, you know, would I take him over a Thomas Harley? Probably not. Uh, Peyton Krebs? Probably not. Alex Newhook? Probably not. Uh, Lassie Thompson? I wasn't super big on Lassie Thompson, but pro probably would take him over Lassie Thompson. Vili Hainala? Maybe. Maybe, but I like Vili Hainala. You know, so I could see the discussion about him in the first round last year, you know, Ryan Suzuki, though, would have been a guy that would have been way, way higher if I were king of the world. You know, late first, early second, maybe with Jack Quinn, and that's kind of where I have him ranked now. Because um, you kind of have that knowledge of hindsight almost, where you can say, well, he's further along and we know what he's been doing. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. This, and at the same time, you can look at young, young players. So someone like a William Wallander is a really good example. He's really, really young. But the, the tools that he has, considering he's, what, uh, two months or less? William Wallander. Uh, he is already six foot four, which is crazy. He's uh, July 28th, so under two months from next year's elig from eligibility next year. Um, so, and I imagine next year he'll be a full time Allsvenskin defenseman. So you'd have a full-time Allsvenskin defenseman eligible next year. Uh, and so what kind of a season would he have? You know, half a point per game, a third of a point per game-ish in that area. That's a very good year for an Allsvenskin defenseman, especially one with the, that can skate like he does. But 
you kind of look at him, watch him play, and you go, okay, I see the talent, but he's making mistakes. He's playing way too aggressively at times, chasing offense way too much, uh, and just seems to be really raw and unrefined. But then you think about it and go, okay, well, this is his first year really full-time playing against this age group. He's big and lanky. He probably hasn't been six foot four for very long, all things being considered. He's 17, doesn't turn 18 until July, almost August. So you can kind of see how things might fluctuate uh, with him over recent times. And I really, really like William Wallander, um, but only because of how high his upside is. And a lot of that comes from his... Like, if he were born in September 2001, there would be a lot of really legitimate questions, right? That that that, that just wouldn't, wouldn't fly with me. Uh, but, you know, based on what he is as a player, certainly uh, at his age, I can see a lot of potential there. So you kind of also have to work backwards from what you're seeing in the results. Um, so it's, it's nuanced. Like, it's really, really nuanced, and you have to be really careful. You know, Murat Kuznodinov... He's extremely young. He's an August birthday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, right? Right, Will? No, also a July birthday. And he's a guy who plays an extremely smart, extremely refined two-way game uh, and shows a lot of promise offensively, in my opinion. And, you know, he's playing in an under-20 league on the most stacked junior team in Russia, worked his way up to top-line minutes over the course of the season. His second half was bonkers. Um, and he's, you know, set, he's only, he doesn't, doesn't turn 18 until July. So you can work backwards from there and go, okay, two months older than two months younger than this guy, or sorry, almost a full year older. I think it's about 10 months. You've got Rodion Amirov who is in the KHL. And last year, uh, Rodion Amirov, this will be the last thing I say on this, but Rodion Amirov on one hand, and you've got Murat Kuznudinov on the other. So Rodion Amirov, August, October 2nd, 2001. Murat Kuznodinov, July 17th, 2002. So that is uh, September, October, November, December. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm using my fingers to do this. Um, nine months. So you've got nine and a half months difference between these two players. So a year ago, Rodion Amirov was in the MHL and under a point per game. Um he went to a bunch of international tournaments and, and killed it down there. But I look at that and go, okay, now we're getting into some context here. You can look at two players in relatively similar situations, 10 and a half months apart from one another, nine and a half months apart, whatever. Like Rodion Amirov, if his family were prolific enough, could technically, the day he was born or soon after, end up with a brother that is Murat Kuznodinov's age feasibly not saying anyway you know what i'm trying to get at like there's enough time in there for him to have a younger brother that would be eligible in the same draft so yeah i don't know it's it's a hard call because you have to look at each individual case together um but i do it it matters but it's not something that's just like a be-all end-all it's just it, it's about context really uh keith fries keith french fries Hey, Will. Congrats on joining McKean's. Wow, thanks. 2020 could end up being a really fun class for Slovakia. Any info on Samuel Krejci? K-R-A-J-C. I have never heard of him before in my life. Um, 
Dukla Trenson. I've seen that play that team play. He's played eleven games. Um I don't know. I haven't seen him play. You stumped me. Uh ooh. Some of this is less than ideal. Um but yeah, I don't know. I haven't I I can't say I've seen a ton of this guy play one game in Calgary. Didn't seem to like that very much, so he came back. Alright, but anyway, yeah. Uh yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll check him out when I get a, when I get the chance. Uh, I'll keep the tab open. Lassie Allenen. Hey, Lassie. All the way from Finland. What's up, man? Give me your take on Casper Putio. Well, that's demanding of you. <laughs> I'm kidding. Casper Putio. Yeah. Uh, I'm off and on with him. Where is he here? He's ranked. Um, 91. So, Putio is a guy who I think... He's really aggressive in terms of cutting off neutral zone play and everything. He skates pretty well. He shows nice flashes with of, of skill and everything. I'm just not sure what his upside is. Uh, he makes some bad decisions. I mean, playing with Swift Current, I haven't seen, to be perfectly open, I haven't seen him play with Everett yet. But boy howdy, the friggin' uh, Swift Current Broncos were agonizing to watch. It was agony watching that team play. I do not understand what's going on there, but Pudio was a bright spot, I guess, and I'm glad that they moved him um, to to Everett. I need to see him play with that team to get a better judgment on him, but what I do like about him is that he's aggressive in the neutral zone. I like defensemen who play that way, especially if your forwards are aware of the defensemen that play aggressively and can cover for them. Um, and I also like that he's you know got nice flashes of skill, his footwork is nice. Not a speedy guy, but he can be kind of explosive at times. Um, and and when it comes to moving pucks into dangerous areas, I believe he's pretty good at it uh, for for defensemen. Let me find him here. Putio. Yeah, so when he's on the ice, they're looking at a 35% shot attempt percentage, which is terrible. Um, but at the end of the day, like, we were talking about who was it earlier? Uh, Dylan Holloway, was it? Let me find him here. Dylan Holloway. Yeah, so Dylan Holloway, of all of his individual shot attempt percentages, 33% of them came from high and medium danger. Casper Putio across two games, so fair warning, it's only two games, but that's that number's 28.5% for him. So one is a center, one is a defenseman, and the defenseman has his, on, on percentage basis, a, a comparable amount of high and medium danger shot attempts as the, the center. So he's aggressive. He pushes in deep. He's willing to take risks. I like it. Um, he doesn't do it so often that it kind of really questions things for you. But the the kid's pretty decent. Um, Got to cut down on the dump and pucks, though. 32% of his transitions are done offensively without control. So that's a problem. But also part of that might be the fact that he played on the Broncos in both of those games. And they couldn't they couldn't take a pass to save their life. So... Again, I need to see him with Everett to be to have a better judgment. Um, okay. Thoughts on Michael Benning? Eh, we kind of went over that. Uh, watched much of Ozzy Wiesblatt. Anything noteworthy there? Kind of went over that as well, but if you missed it on Benning and Wiesblatt, Benning, we'll see. I think that there's nice pace control to him. He's got good footwork and agility and edge work. Not sure there's the raw speed that you're looking for. Good passer. Doesn't He really reminds me of Mike Kester, like a guy who when play gets ramped up, might have trouble keeping up with with it and and you know might be adjustment may, might be there might be an adjustment period in college for Benning I think over time but certainly can move a puck really well in quarterback a power play 
Uh, Wiesblatt, I think he'll play, but he's kind of inconsistent from what I've seen. I, I like him, but again, con- inconsistency can be an issue. Um, but I think he could be a high floor kind of player with a decent ceiling, depending on the version of himself that, that he presents from what I've seen of him. Uh, oh, Mitchell Miller. He followed up with a different question. Good two-way guy. I, I like Mitchell Miller. Uh, again, I'm not sure if he's a guy that really moves the needle long-term, but his data certainly looks very, very good. So tons of production uh, on goals scored at even strength. Solid defensive player as well. Um, physical player, you know, if he's available in the third or fourth round, I would take a look. Uh, it, it'll all depend on who's available. Um, I could see someone taking a pick on him earlier because of how good he is physically how how he can shut play down pretty well and produce offensively as well. Um, Tri-City wasn't the best team this year, especially compared to last year, but uh, he, he's a good defenseman, all around pretty solid uh, at both ends of the ice, especially in his own end. So, yeah, solid option. Um, but I don't know about, like, a first or a second round pick for him. Um... Who's the most fun player to watch in your eyes? Well, Marco Rossi, I think, is tons of fun to watch uh but i'm not i'm gonna go off the board with fun to watch i mean marat kuznudinov is just ton, tons of fun for me to watch like marat kuznudinov is fun to watch for me because he's what i want in a hockey player like he just he brings what i like to see in a center especially so that's kind of why i find it so fun to watch him john jason paterka is a lot of fun to watch um who else uh alex Poshin is a lot of fun and there are guys who like have moments where it's a lot like you you just can't help yourself but be really excited i mean uh evgeny oxentiuk i think it was tony ferrari who posted it it was a gif of him scoring a lacrosse goal and then moonwalk to a moonwalk to celebrate which is just such an a-level everything that that i just uh amazing um but yeah in terms of like the most fun player that i enjoy watching for what i'm looking for in a hockey player marat kuznodinov is up there in terms of offensive fun and just like exciting alex poshin is up there as well um and and in terms of the whole draft and just the guy that i love to watch the most probably marco rossi i would say uh just everything he touches just turns to platinum um have you paid any attention to Rugla uh, defenseman Samuel Johannesson? D plus one putting up points. So yeah, I've seen him play a bit. Uh, offensively, yeah, there's talent. I, I think he's offensively good. Um, I just, I'm not sure. Uh, the more I watch him, so I I, I went, <clears throat> I sat down and watched him play for a while one night because I saw the numbers and, and wanted to know more. Uh not sure that he's gonna be this forever so i did see though that he's a really good offensive player so he can move pucks really well good on his feet um you know good on the power play as well uh but a lot of his production is at even strength which is promising the downside though is his own end i think in his own end he's really not great not strong enough on his feet not good enough at clearing the front of the net not good enough at turning play around in his own end I think he might be a guy that gets a late round pick because of his offensive skill uh, and his numbers are really, really good. He might get a look, but he's a guy that that I think needs to iron out some stuff on his own end, get stronger. His positioning isn't great. 
like I, I think what I remember, this was about a month and a half ago, and the last month has felt like 20 years, so forgive me. But from what I recall, I came away feeling very strongly that, that in his own end, his positioning was all off. He was leaving his position just to chase play in the corners when really there was no point. Uh, I mean, the puck might have been in the corner, but other players were there helping out already, and he was just leaving a guy wide open in front of the net guy in front of the net would get the puck and then it goes or they'd get a high danger chance against he's fine i think his offensive skill is where he sort of will build his game i'm just not sure that that you know he's enough of a he's he's reliable enough in his own end i think it warrants a pick though just to take a flyer on him because of what i've seen but he's he's a you live by him and you die by him type of player from from what i've seen so far uh okay last question of the night if you were basing your rankings on potential only, where would you have LaPierre ranked? Interesting. Um, right now I have Maxime LaPierre at 33, 34. And that's mostly because I'm legitimately concerned about his injury history. It's just something that, you know, you really have to do your homework on. And if he gets drafted really high, then Pete, you'll know that the team that drafted him did their homework and feels comfortable drafting him. Uh, I still don't know about a guy who has had two and maybe three concussions in a calendar year being a long-term projectable player, but you asked about, forget about all that upside. Uh, okay, well, let me work through it backwards. Would I take him, if he was perfectly healthy, would I take him over Lucas Cormier? Yes. Casper Simontoval? Yes. Emil Andre? Yes. Jake Sanderson? Yes. Nybeck, Quinn, Poshin, Wallander, Yar- Jarvis, Gushin, Paterka... Poirier, yes. Reichel, yes. Hervinen, yes. Zari, yeah, probably. Uh, Mercer, I think he would be in that 11 to 15 range, maybe. I don't think I'd have him, you know, based on what I saw of him this year when he was healthy, I don't know if I'd put him in that top 10 group, uh, make it into a top 11, I would say. But between Gundler, Mishak, Amirov, Holloway, I would put him probably in that 13, 14, 15, 16 range right now uh, based on what I've seen of him, based on upside, all that stuff. Um, But the injuries are a real problem to me. Uh, Risky, 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 unless you know, unless you have information that I don't know, um, which I have a lot of, there's a lot of things that I don't know, uh, but judging by my hesitancy, um, that would be my pick. And the last thing of the night, yes, uh, Glass T Cat, Glass T Cat, uh, having him at ten seemed high. That's Craig Button. Yeah, I mean Craig Button comparing him to Patrice Bergeron was also kind of hilarious. Um, but having him at ten, and I think he also claimed that he didn't have any information about, because my line of thinking was, oh, Craig has talked to his agent or talked to his team and he has information because he works for TSN and they were open about it. And I think if I'm not mistaken, let me just double check on Twitter. Um, so button Lapierre, what did he write? Um, latest. Um, Interesting. I don't see it here. I could have sworn that he answered a question. Uh, could have sworn that he answered a question on this before, but I could not find it. Um, 
But yeah, anyway, I just look at it and go, if you're looking from a raw potential perspective, then sure. But my opinion coming out of that ranking was he must have information that we don't. And I think he said he doesn't know his medical status, but he still would put him there. I don't know. The And again, I've said this a bunch of times, but if things have not changed since I was in school learning about concussions and sports injuries and all this stuff, concussions get easier and easier to get the more you have them and having them closer together compounds that effect. And whether he's had two or three in a year, the fact that that third one could either have been a neck injury that gave him concussion-like symptoms or it was a concussion, I don't think it really matters. Those are things that you need to be concerned about and need to factor in and you need to do your homework. You can't ask his agent and expect his agent to be perfectly truthful. You can't ask the team and expect the team to know everything about what's going on. Like you need to build like a portfolio because I think it's worth exploring because he is extremely talented and I really, really like him. But yeah, not so sure. Uh, but anyway, this was lovely. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, quite an, a lively evening. Uh, we'll be back doing this on Sunday night. So uh, feel free to join me if you like. If you if you don't want to, you don't have to. Uh, Scouting Report will be out on Saturday. Patrons, you already have it. McKean subscribers will have it tomorrow. Uh, very exciting. I'm glad to give it to you guys. It's going to be a good one. Had a fun, had a had fun putting it together. Uh, I'm going to be editing the next one tomorrow. Two more are shot. I'm going to finish up. Uh, the tracking to film two more on the weekend. So there's going to be four on the way soon. Um, so that's going to be fun. It's, it's, it's going to be a good time. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. This was lovely. Uh, stay safe. Um, try to stay home as much as you can. Uh, Jordan, be well. Um, keep your head up. You got this, bruh. Doing, doing work for all of us that we are thankful that you're doing. Uh, stay safe. Uh, stay healthy. All the best to you and yours, and we'll see you on Sunday.